Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Gus Bradley, Milas, Marinelli, our coaches have done a great job on defense and I think we're better. I think we have a chance to be much better and a lot deeper and it'll be more competitive. That's Raiders head coach John Gruden talking about the defensive side of the ball after minicamp about a week and a half ago or so. Talking about Gus Bradley, Ron Milas, Rod Marinelli, Richard Smith, the new linebacker coach, the job that they've done tending to the defense since they got here, what, in January, I think it was. Um, And that includes, obviously, installing a new defense, which they did this offseason, two months of work put into that. Uh, but also some personnel changes. Uh, Mike Mayock, the Raiders general manager, has talked about how uh, the new defensive coaching staff, led by Gus Bradley, um, had a big voice in shaping the direction that the Raiders went um, in terms of their defensive selections in the draft. I'm not saying that Gus Bradley had final say uh, or, or anything like that. That's Mike Mayock's job and John Gruden's job, ultimately. Um, but... You know, when you have a coaching staff uh, that's communicative, that's articulate, that has a vision, um, that understands how to convey that uh, the needs, uh, the skill sets, the type of player that they're looking for, for their particular defense, their particular scheme, some people do it better than others. And uh, I'm not saying that Gus Bradley uh, does that better than the previous defensive coaching staff, but... um, I have reason to believe that that might be the case. Either way, uh, Gus Bradley and his staff did have a big say in in shaping the direction that Mike Mayock and his staff uh, took during the evaluation process. I think they had a clear picture of the type of players that Gus Bradley and his staff want, need, in this type of scheme. And that goes all the way back to the draft. It goes back to free agency. It goes back to players that were kept players that were, um, you know, released or moved on from. Uh, that To me, that's a, a big part of the equation. And John Gruden talking about the work that this defensive staff did to get this defense improved, whether it was or whether it's been through scheme, teaching, coaching, talent acquisition, uh, all of the above, really. The bottom line is John Gruden believes that the defense is better, and, and he used the word could be significantly better. Boy, would that change things here for the Raiders. And oh, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor on a Tuesday. I'm here at the Raiders practice facility headquarters uh, in steamy Henderson, uh, Nevada, and talking about the expectations for these Raiders, talking about the improvements that have to happen for this thing to get turned around uh, in a way where it puts the Raiders into serious consideration for the playoffs because that's what this is all about. Let's face it. Um, Year four of of John Gruden, I think progress has been made in spite of some of the naysayers uh, out there. Um, I think this talent is in a better shape, much better shape uh, than than it was when when he arrived in 2018. I think the offense is set and ready to go, and there's 
reason to believe if certain players take take the necessary steps forward, which they're fully capable of doing, that this offense can go to a whole other level. And when I say that, um, you know, there's a lot of ways that can happen. Obviously, scoring more points is is the key to it all, but also being more efficient, also being uh, an offense that can beat you in multiple ways, an offense that can you know, maintain possession of the ball longer in order to keep the other offense uh, on the, on the, parked over there on the, on the sideline, give the defense a break. Uh, there's, there's areas where this offense, in spite of the fact that it was top 10 in the NFL last year in almost every single category, one of the areas that they weren't was touchdown efficiency in the red zone. And if they can get that increased, if they can improve on that, which there's reason to think that they can, that's going to help the defense that much better. It's going to help the operation that much better. But let's face it, this is really all about how much better can this defense get? How much more of an asset rather than a liability uh, can the defense be this year? Because if it can get squared away and if it can significantly improve the way John Gruden uh, believes and hopes that it can be, I'm convinced anyway, and it's just little old me talking here, but I'm convinced that the whole narrative changes about the Raiders. You think about the fact that the Raiders were a few plays away from winning three more games last year than the eight that they ultimately won. And that's not exaggerating. That's not, you know, uh, speaking out of class. That's not making false claims. The fact of the matter is, and we've talked about this over and over and over again, uh, the Raiders' offense— gave the defense the lead with a minute 43 left against the Kansas City Chiefs, 19 seconds left against the Miami Dolphins. And oh, by the way, the Dolphins didn't have any timeouts and they were starting that final drive from the 25, their own 25-yard line. And in overtime against the Chargers, all second half of the season, all at home. And each time, unfortunately, the Raiders' defense couldn't make the necessary play to get the Chiefs, Dolphins, and Chargers off the field to secure a win. If they did, you're talking about an 11-win team, point blank. It wasn't ready to – I mean, it just it, – the defense wasn't in a place last year to make those type of plays. And that's the long and short of it. You can go through all the excuses that you want, uh, but who was it? Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. And the, the, the Raiders' record last year, 8-8 eight and eight, – told you everything you need to know about where that defense was or wasn't. But the fact that they were still able to win eight games and be that close, that close, and it was pretty darn close, the Raiders could taste that win against Miami. The Raiders should have beaten the Chargers. They were that close to winning 10 games, and hey, they were that close to sweeping the series, the season series against the Kansas City Chiefs. That's how close they were. It wouldn't have masked or camouflaged the issues that the Raiders had on defense, the known issues that everybody that understands football could understand and see. They couldn't get to the quarterback defensively at an appropriate rate. They weren't forcing enough turnovers. They weren't getting opposing offenses off the field enough on third down to give Derek Carr and the offense the ball to do more damage. They just weren't. And, and even had they hung on 
to win the three games that we always point to, that wouldn't have changed that. And I think the Raiders, I, I don't think, I know the Raiders still this offseason would have made the same exact type of changes that they did, even had they hung on to win those three games and maybe even made the playoffs. They understood in these this beautiful building that I'm broadcasting from today, they understood there was a lot of work that still needed to be done on defense. And that's where we're at right now. That's what we're talking about right now. John Gruden believes, just looking at his team now, he got a, finally got a chance to look at this team in the offseason for an extended period of time, and we all know that the attendance during OTAs was through the roof here in Henderson. So John Gruden, whether it was you know the, the two months of voluntary OTAs or just the week or so uh, where they were, had the, the mandatory minicamp, when some of the key other you know key players that that weren't here during OTAs, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, Quinton Jefferson, to name two specifically on defense, Josh Jacobs over on offense. The Raiders know what they have in Josh Jacobs, but when he finally got a chance, and I'm talking about John Gruden and, and Gus Bradley, to see that defense intact, basically, a couple guys were missing. Divine Diablo, um, you know, some sort of an injury prevented him from getting out on the field. Uh, by the end of minicamp, Malcolm Kuntz. Uh, was dealing with something, but, you know, got a pretty good eyeball of what they have to work with this year. And as John Gruden said in the soundbite, feels like they're better, they're deeper, could be significantly better. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want your thoughts, 702-365-9200. By the way, I appreciate you guys joining us uh, an hour early today. Uh, the Las Vegas Aviators, who we broadcast their games, their AAA affiliate here um, in Las Vegas. By the way, if you ever get to Las Vegas, uh, the baseball park, uh, the Las Vegas ballpark is what it's called, where um, the AAA uh, Las Vegas Aviators play. Beautiful setting. Really, really nice. Great. I, I took the family there to a game recently. It was a lot of fun. It was great to be out amongst the fans um, in, a, in a baseball stadium watching some good quality baseball. I know it's not the major leagues, obviously, uh, but you're seeing guys that are going to either get there or have been there. Uh, you know, have been there. Uh, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. But they're playing uh, later today, right after uh, actually we sign off. I think first pitch is at 520, so if you want to listen to the game, stay right here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM here in Las Vegas. Uh, but we're talking about expectations. We're talking about who the Raiders can count on, the certainties of this team. Uh, every team is made up of certainties, people that players, position groups that you feel really good about. But there's also liabilities, let's face it, on every team or, or, or issues where, you know, maybe you got to coach around that a little bit and try to figure out ways for it not to rear its ugly head, for that weakness not to cost you big time a game or two. I think that's been the case here the last few years with the Raiders that I've seen. I think there's been some weak points of this roster and this team, weak links. That ultimately cost him. Saw it a couple of times. More, you know, too, far too many times than the Raiders want. But that's sometimes part of the growth process, and you gotta get it figured out. You can't cover all your bases in one off season. It's, you know, I, I, I say this uh, pretty often, and I'm, I'm looking at the 
NBA playoffs right now. And, you know, I know the Phoenix Suns weren't able to close the deal last night. I'm frankly wondering if they've got what it takes to close that deal against the Clippers, to be honest with you. Uh, it's not as easy as you think to close something special out like that. It isn't. You have to have something special in order to do that. You really do. I've seen it a million times. I've been around championship teams pretty much my entire adult life. And there are certain things that you have to be able to do to close the darn thing out and to close out the deal. Lots of teams get close, man. Plenty of teams get close. Closing it out, you got to dig deep uh, to do that. And the, the, the Phoenix Suns, frankly, weren't prepared to do that last night at home. Now it goes back to Los Angeles for a game six with the very real possibility that it can move to a game seven in Phoenix to, to, you know, for it to, uh, to, to finally be decided. So we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. But I look at that Phoenix Suns team, and you, know, you see all the youth. You see all uh, the young players, some rising stars in a Devin Booker uh, and, and the young center from, from Arizona, um, Aiton. But all you had to do is look back a couple of years ago, and this team was a lottery team, even with the, the two players that I just named and many others that are on that team. Didn't make them bad players. They just weren't ready yet. And there were other teams that were in a better position, whether it was because they had better players collectively or more mature players. And when I say mature, I don't mean characteristically or off the court or anything like that. I'm just saying you have to be at a certain maturity level um, to win consistently in any league. And I, frankly, the Raiders just haven't been. And a lot of it was roster issues these last couple of years. Uh, some of it has been you know, coaching. Some of it has been um, just guys too young to, to close the deal and the pieces weren't fitting, whatever the case might be. But they weren't ready last year defensively to close the deal when they needed to close the deal. I think things might be changing in that regard. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Steve wants to talk about the defense. How are you doing, Steve? Hey, how's it going? Uh, can you guys hear me? Um, uh, one more time, Steve. I'm sorry. I had a hard, little hard time hearing you there. That's okay. Uh, got you now. No, I got you now. Can you guys hear me now? I got you, brother. Okay. Hey, um, so I've long time, first time, long time. Um, love the show. Um, Thank you. So, you know, last year we were like 32nd in, in defense. I, I work in sports betting, and this has been bothering me for a while. Not not at one of the sports books, but for actually one of the software suppliers here in town. A diehard Raider fan, I'm season ticket holder. And I look at the odds. They got the Raiders to finish last in the division, and that doesn't make any sense because we should have beat the, the Chiefs twice last year. As you mentioned, our defense failed us. Uh, they've got the Chargers as the number two finishing in the division. Um and the Chargers got a new coach, a new offensive coordinator, and their quarterback's coming in their second year. And yet, they're, and we, we should have swept them last year, too. And then they've got the Broncos as third. And we swept them last year. So I don't understand. All we need is our defense to come up from 32nd to even in, you know, around 20 to make a huge difference for this. And I think, you know, we've invested enough talent in there. And the coaching change alone... Uh, should make a significant difference for us. And I think um, there's just a lot. I don't know why there's so much negativity around the Raiders right now, but um, that just seems like a sure thing. I mean, not a sure thing, but that's a no-brainer bet. How can the Raiders be predicted to finish last in the division? If you just look at 
you know, what happened last year, the changes we've made, um, you know, for offense improves even just a little bit. And the defense, uh, just with Gus Bradley alone, should take a step forward, uh, not to mention all the new talent we added. I don't see why the Raiders uh, can't win the division this year. And that might sound homerish, but I, I, I could easily see them winning the division this year, especially after the Chiefs coming off of, you know, what happens to teams that lose the Super Bowl, right? So uh, I don't know, understand all the negativity. Uh, plus, we're moving into our stadium. I think it's going to be a huge year for us. Yeah, and uh, I appreciate the call. And, you know, I was just talking about the Phoenix Suns. And, you know, uh, I brought this up a couple of days ago. The win total prediction coming into this season for the NBA, the general consensus had the Phoenix Suns at 38.5 wins. I want to say they won. Uh, DeMond can check this out for me. I think they won over 50 games this year. So uh, they played significantly above what the expectations were. And so uh, there's no reason why the Raiders can't play significantly better than what the predictions are right now. Uh, I firmly believe that. And Shortened season, but the Suns won 51 games. 51. 51 games last year in a 72-game uh, season. So they probably were... You know that's what 11, 11 games last. So, so they were. They but were, last year they only won thirty four. They won thirty four games last year. So, so exactly. Um, obviously, they they added Chris Paul. Uh, that was a, that was a huge addition. But those wins total were written in with the addition of Chris Paul being taken into account. So somebody missed big time on the Suns. I don't know. You know everything that goes into those type of predictions, and I also don't know if. Uh, some of the betting lines are there to try to tease you into, you know, making a bad bet. So, uh, or lull you into making a bad bet. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm sure they've got a lot of calculations. I'm sure they have a lot of reasons, some valid, some just to try to win some money, you know, um, for, for why they come up with what they come up with. Um, but it's not always accurate, and and there are cases always, almost every year probably, where somebody plays way above what the prediction was. And I think in the Raiders' case, I think it's just more about what they haven't done over the last couple of years where people are just skeptical. And, and I understand that. I get it. Um, you know, the Raiders, frankly— Based on their record, they don't deserve a lot of faith right now. And that's just being perfectly frank about the situation. You have to, at some point, and Pat Riley used to talk about this all the time, you got to plant your feet in the ground and make your stand. And unfortunately, record-wise, the Raiders just haven't done that. Um, and, and I think people are waiting for them to see, are you capable of planting your feet in the ground and fighting for yourself and, um, and, and, and turning this thing around and making that statement and finally, you know, turning skeptics into believers. It's there for them. That's the thing. I'm not, I don't believe, and I've been doing this a while. I'm no Vince Lombardi. I'm not an expert, you know, uh, or, or anything like that. I don't try to pretend to be. I go on, you know, what I've seen in the past. I, I go on what the kind of talent that I see in practice. I remember in 2016 when the Rams came back to Los Angeles. I, I talk about this often, but I, it was it was two train two two days into training camp, and I was like, "Where are the stars?" Yeah, Todd Gurley. Well, actually, Todd Gurley really wasn't practicing much. Um, you know, they they sort of held him out uh, uh, quite a bit to preserve him, but there was no excitement 
from the uh, from athletically from wide receivers. There were no playmakers offensively, short of Todd Gurley. The offensive line looked putrid. This was before. Uh, you know, Jared Goff took over. He was a rookie, so uh, Case Keenum was was the quarterback. Uh, it just I, I just remember watching practice after practice after practice, thinking this it just doesn't look good right here. You know, yeah, Aaron Donald looked great, and defensively they were fairly solid. Uh, but I, you can tell, you can tell, if, especially if you've gone to other training camps, which I had. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys were right up at, up the, the street in, in Oxnard, and, and at that point, they had you know some pretty good talent, some good playmakers, and you can see it. So um, when I say I'm looking at the Raiders uh, in, in practice, um, it looks different to me this year. It looked slightly better last year compared to what they were the year before, and especially on offense, it did to me. And they played like that. And I felt like defensively, even looking at them in training camp last year, it looked like it was on its way. It wasn't there, but the, I, thought the, I thought the talent level was higher. Um, and, and it just looked better last year compared to the year before. It didn't work out. And there's a lot of reasons why it didn't, but it didn't. But this year, when I look at the defensive line, it just looks more skilled. It looks certainly deeper. Guys are in great shape. Max Crosby is, and he, it wasn't like he was in bad shape, but right now he's just in phenomenal shape, and you can see that. I mean, he was flying around the field during OTAs, he liked, he, and he was a man on a mission. And whether it, that was because you know, he wasn't satisfied with the year that he had last year, he's not satisfied with his rankings in pro football focus, he's way down there. Uh, as far as defensive ends, go look it up. Some of the criticism, I've been critical of him. Uh, I was critical of him last year. There were a lot of flaws that he needs to that he needed to correct in order to, to take a next step as a every down, down in and down out player. Well, for whatever the case might be, he's taken whatever that was to heart. And he looks fantastic. I thought Carl Nassib looked great uh, physically in, in practice. Uh, Cleve Farrell, Unique Ngakwe, when he finally got out there, you're like, whoa. Okay, this is this guy's a different cat. This dude is a different dude than everyone else. And there were there are some good looking players on that Raiders defensive line right now. But Unique Ngakwe looks like a cut above, and that's a good thing. You need that. You need difference makers. And Unique Ngakwe looks like a difference maker. And then you look at the secondary, and it just looks deeper. Every the whole operation looks deeper and better defensively. And so I look at those seven wins that the Raiders are predicted to have, and what I'm seeing doesn't jive with that total. But that's okay. I think the people that are putting all that together haven't seen it yet either. It's on the Raiders to prove those guys wrong, just like the Suns did. It's possible to do that. The Phoenix Suns were predicted to win 38 games last year. They won 52, 51, 52, whatever. And they're in the Western Conference Finals, and they're a game away, a win away from going to the NBA Finals. It can happen. It does happen. Always, actually. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson. You're brought to you by Tequila and Bahar. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. 
Raider Nation, welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. on a Tuesday. You're in the huddle, Vinny Boxer Brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. Uh, you could also uh, listen to us on uh, the Raiders uh, app, the official app, Raiders.com. Um, so appreciate it, as always. You're the reason why we do this, truthfully. Uh, we're talking about expectations. We're talking about... You know, my dad used to always tell me, look, uh, there's two kinds of people in this world. Um, and, and he was giving me this advice in terms of going out into the workforce. And, you know, he's like, whatever you do, you're either an asset or you're a liability. That's it. <laughs> That's it. There's no in between. Do you want to be an asset or do you want to be a liability? And, you know, I think in professional sports, Obviously, what you're trying to do in any sport, on any team, you're trying to gather as many assets or create as many assets as you possibly can. Understanding um, that it's, you know, it's, it's almost impossible. I shouldn't say impossible, but it's hard to build the perfect team. There's always going to be issues that you have to coach around. That might be personnel issues, it might be an injury that you, that you might have, depth at a certain position. Uh, and we've talked about this before. I remember, you know, talking to a, a, an offensive coordinator or head coach in the NFL one time, and, you know, it, it was getting to a point where injuries had taken hold and they, they weren't quite where they needed to be along the offensive line. And the coach is saying, look, you know, you get to a point where you're, you're drawing up all these plays and you can get as creative as you want and it's fun and you're, you're putting all these spectacular plays together. But as the week goes on, you start looking at your offensive line and where it is physically and, you know, talent-wise, and you start looking at who you're playing that next week and the defensive line and defensive front and, and everything else that you're dealing with, and you start – taking plays out because you know you can't block it. There's no point in calling a play if you don't have confidence in being able to protect it along the offensive line. So, you know, sometimes you have to work around issues like that. You know, and I think as John Gruden and Mike Mayock have gone about turning this thing around, um, and it's funny, we, you know, we talked to John Gruden and, and, and John brought, brought it up as far as some of the moves that the Raiders made and what, that, what the perception might have been. And here's, here's John Gruden talking about that. I want to comment on this as soon as, as soon as we play it. Well, I'll have to see when we get to camp. Obviously, we like it on paper. We think uh, we've made some, some changes that are, you know, in some people's eyes uh, questionable. But we're, we're younger. I think we're faster. I think we do have more depth, and um, it's hard to update that, that question right now without seeing everything in pads at full speed. It's John Gruden talking about some of the offseason moves and um, some of the moves that some people considered questionable. You know, obviously, when you get rid of your starting center in Rodney Hudson and your starting guard uh, in Gabe Jackson, two of your you know, stalwarts, foundational pieces on the offensive line is going to raise eyebrows and people are going to, especially on the outside. Um, wow. You know, that doesn't make any sense. That's why would you do that? And we've talked about this before. Um, 
not everyone knows what's going on behind the scenes, number one, and what the coaches are seeing. There was a belief, look, that in a perfect world, if salary cap didn't matter, do you get rid of, you know, do you trade Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson right now? Maybe not. Probably not. But football isn't the perfect world. The salary cap certainly doesn't make it a perfect world. It makes it a very difficult world sometimes. And I know there's always ways to work around it, to manage it. Um, but even when you work around it, sometimes there's a cause and effect. We talked yesterday about where the Raiders are on their um, salary cap. Well, actually, I, I, that was on a podcast that I did today. You know the Raiders are $52 million projected to be under the salary cap next year? That's pretty darn good. And, you know, when you look at how the Raiders have constructed contracts over the last few years, to me anyway, they've gone about it in a really shrewd and smart way. They don't sacrifice their future. They don't put things off to the future. Sometimes, every once in a while, you know, um, they've, they've restructured a deal to put something you know, further out there in order to, you know, uh, create the salary cap space that might be needed to, to go ahead and, and, you know, fill a pertinent need, immediate need. But they've resisted that. They've resisted that when they go chase free agents. It's a very, you know, whether it's just a one-year deal, which they've done quite a few of those, or whether it's a two-year deal, which they've done a few of those, or it's a deal that, on paper, it's four years, X amount of dollars, but the reality is the guaranteed portion of those contracts get paid out over the first two years, which makes it very easy to make a decision whether to continue on, if it's working out, or painlessly get out from under it, which is what happened in Trent Brown, with Trent Brown, which is what happened with Terrell Williams. No you know, disrespect to Terrell Williams. He was hurt. That's just an unfortunate part of sports sometimes. So it wasn't like he was dogging it or anything like that. The other guy, eh, we, well, I, you know, uh, I think we all know what was going on there. But Terrell Williams, you know, it wasn't working out because of factors that were not really in his control. And the Raiders decided, okay, you know, two years, there's two years left on the contract, but it's it's no longer guaranteed, or the money, the, the guaranteed portion of the contract uh, has been paid out, can move on from this contract um, with literally no pain whatsoever. They've done that in a shrewd way. They're $52 million under the salary cap next year. Uh, so if you're starting to think about, you know, potential upgrades that they can make next year, they're going to be in a pretty good place uh, to do that. So, but anyway, getting back to what John Gruden talked about, as far as some of these questionable moves, yeah, from the outside looking in, you know, Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, why would you do that? But you don't, you know, a lot of... There's, there's reasons why sometimes you have to. Sometimes that salary cap is just hovering over. Sometimes there's other needs elsewhere on the team that you have to address, and you need to free up money in order to address those. And sometimes, and I believe this to be the case with the Raiders, sometimes in conjunction with needing to free up money, you also have a strong belief that there's somebody in the in-house or in the draft that you're going to be able to go get to fill whatever neat, whatever hole gets created by whatever decision you have to make to free up money, i.e. Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, and 
in Trent Brown's case, uh, trading three of the starting five offensive linemen. That's what the Raiders did. So is that questionable? Yeah. I mean, on paper, it's like, wow, you just traded three of your starting offensive linemen. But, you know, if, if you're criticizing that move, and it's fair to criticize, I mean, we live in that world. That's fine. But John Gruden and Tom Cable, the offensive line coach, pretty comfortable making those type of moves, understanding who they had laying in wait behind those guys. And so sometimes you just have to trust your instincts, trust what you know to be the case. Andre James, kind of in in the Tom Cable lab these last couple of years, has played a little bit, uh, especially in that rookie year. I think he had to come in and and, and sub for a game. I didn't see it. I wasn't there. I've watched film of it. Um, He looked reasonably well. Don't think he was ready to start at that point, but he was an undrafted free agent rookie. So um, you don't necessarily expect (laughs) that guy to be able to start uh, at that point. So he wasn't ready. But you know what? Two years later, Tom Cable's seeing what he needs to see, and not just physically, but also in the classroom, uh, whatever, you know, he's throwing at him in terms of, you know, what are you supposed to do here? What are you supposed to do there? Here's the defensive front. What's your call? Um, what's your protection? All of those type of things. If you're, if, if you're seeing it in the classroom and you're seeing it everywhere else that you need to see it, it creates a comfort level to make that kind of a move. So there's John Gruden talking about questionable, questionable moves understandable uh, from the outside looking in. Was he talking about Alex Leatherwood, uh, the, the offensive tackle drafted from, the, from Alabama that uh, some people out there, most of them who are on television and you know make a living being uh, draft experts, and I'm not taking shots at anybody at all, um, but how many times have we talked about the fact that those guys do a job and do an evaluation at a very, it's not surfacy necessarily, but it's, it's done in a collective sense. It's done without a particular need, or a particular team's needs schematically, what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish, um, what they're looking for specifically. So Alex Leatherwood might have been Mel Kuyper's 31st ranked player in the draft, 35th ranked player in the draft and maybe his fourth offensive tackle ranked in the draft. But the Raiders were looking at Alex Leatherwood through their own lens and what they need for their scheme and for their fit. So, yeah, people can criticize that pick and they have every right to criticize it and call it questionable if they want. But from the Raiders' perspective, that's who they wanted. That's who they felt fit their needs. And there's a lot of reasons why you can see that was the case. He's athletic. He's big. He's powerful. Uh, the Raiders outside zone um, run, uh, uh, running game relies on athletic tackles that could get out in open space and get to their point to block off and ward off um, defenders. So that's why they made that pick. But the bigger point is the Raiders believe that they've put themselves in a much better position this year. They feel like there's better, there's more quickness, there's more speed, there's more depth. Uh, 
there's more talent. And I, frankly, just looking at the team, the, the team that I saw during OTAs and, and, and during minicamp, that was the impression that I got. Is it, per, is it a perfect team? No, obviously not. And there's still question marks, and that's what I want to talk about uh, with, with you guys. Um, and, and, and if you have any thoughts on it uh, as well, what keeps you up at night? What are the certainties? What do you hang your hat on if you're the Raiders? I think you can hang your hat on Derek Carr without question. I think you can hang your hat on Darren Waller. I think you can hang your hat on the offense coming back as strong, if not better and maybe more efficient. I think you can hang your hat on that. I think you can hang your hat on the fact that the defensive line is going to be better. I think it's going to actually surprise some people by how good it really is. What about slot cornerback? Kind of worrisome right now. I haven't seen it yet. What's going on with Damon Arnett and, and Casey Hayward? If Casey Hayward wins that job on the perimeter, that's an upgrade. Linebacker. Feeling pretty good about linebacker. The depth behind starters. There really isn't anything of a known quantity. Darren Lee, who the who the Raiders signed. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson. You're brought to you by Tequila and Bahar. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Well, I think, you know, when good things happen, right? I mean, they're a group that we got to, first of all, we got to trust each other. And I think that trust is just understanding where everybody's going to be and that they're on the same page. A lot of explosive plays come through bus on defense, and uh, we got to try to eliminate as many of those bus as possible, and it comes through great communication. So that part of it we're building, um, you know, when they, you know, when you have success, learning how to handle success, and, uh, you know, it's really play after play coming out with it. So it's, it's really a race to maturity with our whole group. Um, you know, we've got some, uh, you know, strong personalities on it, which I love, great spirited guys. And you got some experience with guys like Casey Hayward, Jonathan Hankins, you know, that I think is so important to a young group like this. A race to maturity. I love that. I love that term. Uh, that's Gus Bradley, the Raiders' new defensive coordinator, talking about the importance of, well, a lot of things. The race to maturity being, number one, the Raiders need some guys to uh, close that corner and turn that corner, like right now. And it is a race. The time is of the essence. The clock is always ticking. Doesn't, you know, because you want it to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen, um, you know, especially on the same timeline. Uh, sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes you have to be patient. And that's what, you know, the Raiders have tried to do. And I think that the last couple of years, um, I think part of the plan, there was a lot of developing going on, developing on the job. Sometimes you have to do that. Uh, but I think now I just get the feeling that the Raiders are, they've taken some big steps forward as an organization, as a team. And I think that, Developing on the job, while that's always kind of the pro- part, of, you know, part of the process, I think that the Raiders are willing to trade some of that for more certainty. I think Casey Hayward brings more certainty out on the perimeter. Damon Arnett, good young player, talented young player, obviously drafted 19th overall. Put into a position last year 
where you know he had to play and part of that was the long range you know vision that the Raiders have and had still do but you know look is he going to struggle probably is there going to be a learning curve there is for every rookie cornerback that comes in the NFL is it going to be more drastic because there was no offseason I think the answer to that was a resounding yes and on top of that he was hurt <laughs> uh, you know at a training camp playing with a big club on his uh, on, on his right hand and then hurt it even more had to go under surgery uh, missed eight weeks nine weeks came back different player physically concussions. So there was a lot working against Damon Arnett. Uh, but I think even last year, the Raiders were somewhat okay with doing that because they felt like there was future dividends that they were, uh, they were investing in Damon Arnett last year, understanding that there was probably going to be some struggles, but also understanding that, you know, through those struggles, a better player, a good player uh, was going to come out of that. Sometimes you're willing to make that trade-off because, as we talked about yesterday, sometimes you're just really realistically championships aren't playoffs. They're part of the goal. They're everybody's goal. Everybody talks about it. But the reality of the situation is some teams are legitimate in that regard. Some teams are not. Some teams are headed there. Some teams need a lot of work to get there, all of that type of thing. The Phoenix Suns, they're a game away from reaching the NBA Finals. Couple, They were thought to have, you know, predicted to win 38 games coming into this year. Why? Because they hadn't done anything the last few years except for invest in a lot of good young players and put them out there on the court and live and die with it for a little while, understanding that, Got to trust this process because at a certain point, it's going to turn. That's going to turn. And when it does, that's when you go out and maybe bring in a Chris Paul, a Jay Crowder, some veterans to, uh, to assist it along because you feel more comfortable that the younger players are right there on the cusp. You don't bring in Chris Paul last year if you're the Phoenix Suns. Why? Just a waste of, what is he making, 35 million dollars? He wouldn't have made that big of a difference on a team where the young center wasn't ready, some other pieces weren't quite there yet. This year, especially the way the Phoenix Suns ended last year, uh, they were a hot team. Remember in the bubble? They played pretty well in the bubble. I think that turned everybody's attention up like, okay, Phoenix Suns, bring in a Chris Paul now. That's a worthy investment to get us to a next level. I think the Raiders bringing in a guy like Casey Hayward and Unique Ngakwe. Obviously, those two players also fit needs. That's, that's number one. But also, the investment that they make in those two players at this stage tells you that they feel pretty close to maybe winning, doing something special. Let's go ahead and make the investment at positions of need. If it means Damon Arnett has to take uh, a back seat here and the development part of Damon Arnett has to take a little bit of a hit so be it on a win-win games now he can develop watching he can develop getting some time you know as a reserve not saying that that's how it's going to break out or break down but I think if Casey Hayward shows that he's the best player 
the Raiders will trade whatever development they may lose in order to win more games. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Ibarra.